So this morning, um, while I'm up here, I might as well keep going. So we are finishing uh, this series that we've had in January, a series about understanding our mission, understanding that God has placed us here, not by um, fluke chance, but God has placed us here on the Central Coast, here at Bensville, here at Tumby. He has placed you where you are, where you live, and, and so many suburbs are represented across this room. And God wants to use us where he's placed us to be on mission with him to build his church. And so we're praying and our prayer through this whole time has been that we would have eyes to see here, that we would have our hearts ready to perceive and then the will and intention and obedience to be on mission to those who are around us. That is what the Christian life is about. And so we want to uh, equip you in that. We want to point out what this looks like for us. And we want to go into this together. So for the last three weeks, we've been looking at our context, the Central Coast. Right where we live is our mission field. And if you're watching this at some other point in time and you're not on the Central Coast, where you live is your mission field. And I encourage you to consider what that can look like for you. So three weeks ago, we had Jed bring a word, Jed Clark from Father's Table. And he talked about um, just the brokenness that is around us. It presents as loneliness, it presents as poverty, as addiction, as homelessness, as dysfunction, as violence. It presents in all these ways. And many of us, Many of us who have decided to follow Jesus find ourselves more often than not in some sort of Christian bubble where we're not overly exposed to a lot of that. Some of us are. Some of us are living it. But some of us don't really rub shoulders with that, but we need to be aware of the brokenness that is around us. Then we had Mel Potter in in the second week share around having an understanding that we have a calling to carry God's presence into wherever we find ourselves day after day, whether it's a school, a workplace, a neighbourhood, even your own home. We have, an, we have a mission to understand that we are carrying God's presence. We can bring hope. We can bring light into darkness. And we need to be consistent with our presence and our witness as we find common ground with those around us and build relationships with them. And then last week we had Craig Stevens from the Salvos bring a word to us. And he talked about that the kingdom of God is expanding within you. And we carry that with us wherever we go. He gave those stats, if you remember, about when there was only 12 followers of Jesus, what the ratio was in the world right through to today, that his stats revealed that one in three people on the face of the earth today are, are professing Christians. One in three. The world has never had that sort of ratio of, of believers to non-believers before. The kingdom of God is advancing. Um, he talked about what we freely have received from God, we are called to freely give away. I love that story where he was with this person who was just really broken and he imparted Craig was just able to impart, I, I have received peace and forgiveness from God and I impart that to you. And he, he saw a physical change there. Um, 
And he also talked about God is doing something new in his church. Are we willing to be the people who taste the new wine and don't try to put it in old wineskins? Are we willing to be the people who, who trust God and follow where he is leading and not try to direct things for our own sake or our own preference? And so this morning, we're going to continue this. We can't miss that the church is called to be on God's mission in the world. That is what it is all about. We carry with us a ministry of reconciliation. We are a kingdom of priests. We all have a role. And remember what a priest does? A priest helps connect God and people and people to God. We all are called to be that. Um, We are the body of Jesus Christ. This is who we are. And we want to live into who we are. We cannot miss that like Jesus, we are to bring the good news to those who need it. The broken, the addicted, the homeless, the hopeless, the dejected, the anxious. We are to bring good news. That's what we're called to do. And we need to understand the deep truth that life lived in separation from the broken is not truly aligned with following Jesus. We see that lived out in the Gospels. We can't actually exist in a Christian bubble. We need to be rubbing shoulders with the people that Jesus came for, that Jesus wants to connect with. So in the Bible, the language that's often used in those um, ways, particularly in the Old Testament, but into the New, is like we, we need to pay attention to the widow, to the orphan, to the alien, people without a voice. People without hope. People who maybe don't have the means to change their circumstances and need some help. Or maybe some people who just need to see that they're on the wrong path. They're they're pursuing the wrong things. Things that end up being empty. So today I want to look at a group of people that desperately need to know God. So we've looked at, over the last three weeks, a lot of the dysfunction that is around us. So today I want to look at a a group of people who need to know that God is real, that they are loved and forgiven and invited into a life with God that is true life, real life, eternal life. And I believe this group of people that are around us are the hardest to reach in terms of them having a revelation of who God is and the need for God. They're all around us. They're our family, they're our friends, they're our neighbours, they're our work colleagues, they're potentially even you and I. These people, by all accounts, are good people. They're happy in life, they're content, they have loving families, good relationships with others, they're supportive, they're generous, they're pillars in our society. These people, it could be said, are living the dream. They have cars and a house and nice holidays and a good job. And when we look at these people, we, we could even think that they don't need God. Life seems to be pretty sweet for them. They seem happy and content and healthy and wealthy. And they're right here on the central coast surrounding us. Let me share a story from the Bible. This is out of Mark 
chapter 10. It will be on the screen, but I encourage you to check this out yourself. So as Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him and knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit good life? Sorry, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, you must not cheat anyone, honour your father and your mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this the man's face fell and he went away sad for he had many possessions. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. This amazed them. But Jesus said again, dear children, it is very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved? They asked. And Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it's impossible. But not with God. Everything is possible with God. See, this man had a choice to put Jesus at the center of his life or put his possessions, his riches, his wealth at the center. So as we look at this story, firstly, this is a call to each of us. People who live with wealth and possessions and profess a faith in God. In the message, we read this, same passage says the man's face clouded over. This was the last thing he expected to hear and he walked off with a heavy heart. He was holding on tight to a lot of things and not about to let go. In the amplified version, looking at him, Jesus felt a love, a high regard, a compassion for him and he said to him, you lack one thing. Go and sell all your property and give the money to the poor and you will have abundant treasure in heaven. And come, follow me, becoming my disciple, believing and trusting in me and walking the same path of life that I walk. But the man was saddened at Jesus' words and he left grieving because he owned much property and had many possessions which he treasured more than his relationship with God. As I was piecing this together over the last week, I got to the point just at this and I'm going, I don't want to talk about this. This is confronting. For a follower of God, this is confronting. He left grieving because he owned much property and had many possessions which he treasured more than his relationship with God. We will never actually be able to fulfill our God-given mission to the people around us who have plenty if our lives reflect their lives when it comes to what we truly treasure. I 
Secondly, this is not just a call for those who follow Jesus to live lives of scarcity and to abstain from having possessions and to deny wealth. It's not that. In this encounter, Jesus was highlighting the hold that wealth and possessions had on this particular man. This is not a teaching for all people everywhere at all times. But if the cap fits, it seems his wealth and possessions were filling the role that God wants to fill in our lives. His wealth and possessions were filling the role and position that Jesus wants to fill in our lives. And thirdly, we need to understand that it's very difficult for people who have wealth but no relationship with God to even comprehend that a relationship with God is what our whole life is designed for. There's something in the Australian psyche, the Australian story, where we hold up and and applaud people who are self-made. We hear that term often. You know, self-made millionaire or self-made business person or a, and, and it can happen, we see it happen. There's evidence of that all around us. But that's not what our life is designed for, to be all about self. So when we look at this passage again in two versions here, In the Amplified, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who are wealthy and cling to possessions and status as security to enter the kingdom of God. And this is where we're starting to see the role that possessions and wealth is having in this man's life. It's become his security, not God. God wants to be that for us. The Bible's pretty clear that things cannot do what God can do in our life. We seem to chase after them pretty readily, thinking they will. I don't know how many times when I was younger I would buy a lotto ticket because I fully believe that if I won lotto, my world would be so much better. Life would be better. So the belief in that was money is the solution to my problem. Money will give me security. Money will give me comfort and meaning and position. That's why you would chase after it. In the message, same passage, looking at his disciples, Jesus said, do you have any idea how difficult it is for people who have it all to enter God's kingdom? We need to be aware of this because this is not only us, this is a large proportion of the people around us on the Central Coast. Just the other day, Tanya and I were sitting on one of those benches down near that new work that's done at Avoca, and we're looking at the ocean, but then you look up on the hills and there's some beautiful houses, beautiful houses, great ocean views, awesome. And that's all along the coast. Now we know that you, know, you, you can't just get those for a couple of dollars. I've tried, doesn't work. But, and I'm not having to go at anyone who lives there, please hear this. But it's really easy to look at it and go, oh, I wish I had that. Life would be so much better if I had that. 
I'd be so much more content if I had that. And God's revealing to us, no, no, no. I can be that for you. I can be your peace and your contentment and your security. In fact, I want to be that for you. Would you just let me? So this is the crux of what I mentioned at the beginning. There are many people around us who are living life with their security and confidence and identity wrapped up in things. And, and I've got to be careful with the us and them talk. If God's not on the scene, this makes complete sense to live that way. We don't know any different. In fact, that's what the narrative of our world and our culture would direct us towards. So let's not be judgmental in any way here. This is just what life looks like. And when people have security in things and possessions and status and position, it's really hard to even comprehend that God might be real, but available and could make a difference in your life and actually wants to be in relationship with you. Maybe you're sitting here this morning, maybe you're listening to this this morning and this is your lived reality. Maybe you've come to God at some point later in life, but for a long time you didn't even have an awareness of the presence of God, the need for God, who God is, how he sees you, what he wants to do with you and in you. That we are surrounded by people who are currently in that position. So how do we reach these people with the good news of Jesus? How do we fulfill our mission of being ministers of reconciliation with people who have no idea that they're far from God or even need him? How do we do that? Here's where you're hoping I give you some, something that's really tangible and you can do something with. And I just sat with this question and wrestled with it and wrestled with it. What, what, what do you say? Many years ago, some of you would remember this, we had a guest speaker at a conference. His name was Trevor Hudson. He was from South Africa. And he was living in an area just out of Johannesburg, which was pretty rough area, a lot of poverty, a lot of need. And he came up with this little catchphrase that he would use. He would, he would, he would engage with someone and he would hear their story and he would say to them, life doesn't have to be this way. And that would pique their interest and they would push in, what, is that? what do you mean? And then he had an opportunity to share the gospel with them. And he was sharing that with us at some teaching and his challenge to us as a team was, what's, what's the phrase for your context? Now I imagine, okay, I'm walking along the beach and I see someone who's got a beautiful house and I come up and say, you know what, life doesn't have to be this way. Doesn't resonate, does it? What, what is it in our context for the people who seem to have it all? Now he asked this question of us, of, of me, when was Trevor here? It's probably six, seven years ago. I still don't have an answer to that and I've thought about it regularly. What do we say to people? So I don't have something pithy to say to you that you can just take and use. The only thing I could come up with is how do we share the love of God and the reality of God with these people? The only thing I can come up with is let's be proximate to them. Let's build relationship. Let's build relationship. Let's find common ground and be present and available.
Because what we do seem to know is this. This brokenness that some people are living in sometimes all the time will happen to all of us at some stage. Life will happen to us regardless of the balance of our bank accounts. And there will be a time in people's lives, as there always is, whether it's relationship breakdown or whether it's illness or whether it's tragedy or whether it's something else, and when we have built relationship with them and when we have the, the good news, the message of the gospel within us, we will be in a prime position to speak life into people who, for all intents and purposes, don't have an awareness of God or understand they need God. This is part of our mission. We need to be proximate with people and allow the Holy Spirit in us to be at work as he needs to be at work, as we have conversation and build relationship and hang out and spend time together. People who are in touch with their loneliness and their poverty and their addictions and homelessness and dysfunctions, they're in touch with brokenness and desperation. And it seems like God can come into those places quite readily. When you find yourself at rock bottom, maybe it's easier to consider God. Is God real? Could God be for me? Could God even like me? He seems to show up. And when people who seem to have their lives all together and seem to be fine without God, when they come to a place of brokenness and desperation, which is what will happen at some point. We just want to be there with them and for them. We want to be the carriers of that reconciliation where we can help people reconcile to God because we are proximate and present. It's a long game. We're in it for the long haul. We are planting seeds and we are watering seeds, and we never know when or if the growth is going to come. But we can be obedient to God in doing what he's called us to do. God does the growing. Let God take care of that. But we can plant and we can water. Let's look at another passage quickly. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this, Don't store up treasure here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasure in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. You cannot worship God and money both. Money here is not simply talking about cold hard cash, because none of us really use that much anymore. It's not that. Other translations here, instead of the word money, use words like riches, wealth, or an old-fashioned word, mammon. We see in the King James here on the screen, no one can serve two masters, for either you will hate one and love the other, or else you will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon, an ancient word, meaning... Wealth, riches, substance, everything that comes under the banner of worldly goods. It signifies the things that can be admired, trusted in, worshipped. 
basically anything in which we're tempted to place our security, our identity, or our confidence. And we need to take note, it's not the possession of wealth that Jesus condemns, but serving wealth, making it the object of your thoughts and your pursuits. Which he refers to as our treasure. So looking at this passage in a couple of translations, it's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. Or the Amplified, for where your treasure is, there your heart, your wishes, your desires, that on which your life centres will be also. I don't know about you, I'm finding this confronting. Because if I'm completely honest, a lot of my time, a lot of my thoughts, a lot of my desire goes towards things. And I don't want to live this life of division. I don't want to be pursuing Jesus, but pursuing stuff. Living for mammon is actually incompatible with living for Jesus. By serving mammon, we cannot, with a pure and steadfast heart, serve Jesus. And if we try, we expose ourselves as hypocrites. And then our effort to be salt and light to those around us probably fail. It's actually the antithesis of being on mission to make disciples. When our lives look no different to those around us who don't know God, what story does that tell? But when we live with Jesus at the center of our whole life, when we intentionally build relationship with those around us, we will have opportunities to share the gospel message, the good news. We'll have opportunity for that. May we be a people who pray for, ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to perceive, and the will and desire and the obedience to be on mission to those around us. And let's not underestimate how hard this can be. Because we are surrounded not only by brokenness, we are surrounded by affluence as well. And many people who live in affluence have no regard for God, for the things of God, no need for God, it seems. And we find ourselves right there. What do we do with that? Our focus, as you can see, on the walls that we had for last year, we're continuing that focus for us as a church this year. We want to find common ground with people and build relationship because God is a God of relationship. We want to find common ground with people and be proximate with them and spend time with them. Why? Because we carry the Holy Spirit with us, the very presence of God in us and with us. And so while we are spending time with people, God has a chance to do what God wants to do in us and through us. He doesn't need us to do it. That's the beauty of it. But he will use us if we surrender to him. And it could be a word. It could be a hug. It could be a response. It could be a helping hand. 
it could be something so significant you don't even notice you've done it. Where the Holy Spirit just starts to shine a light into people's lives and starts to draw them to himself because that is what God's doing in his world. This is our mission. I don't know how you're feeling right now because this is confronting and it's daunting and it's long work but it's what we're called to do. We're, we're based here on the Central Coast. I'm assuming you live here on the Central Coast. This is our mission field. And we want to be the church where God has placed us. Let me pray for us. So God has... As we've just unpacked a little bit of this, the first thing I want to pray for us is that we would be a people who have you at the centre of our lives. That the, the most important thing for us is a person, not things. So Jesus, I I know from my own lived experience, I know it's hard to do that consistently. I know there are many things grabbing for our attention. I know there are many things that, that capture us. And the narrative that surrounds us is one that if only you had more. More money, more experiences, more possessions, then you'd be happy then you'd be content. Let us not be a people who buys into that lie. Let us be a people who sees that for what it is and turn to you. And as we turn to you, God, I pray that you would just help us sow seeds and water seeds and be present and be proximate with the people that you bring across our path. Let us understand that our day-to-day living is not haphazard. Our day-to-day living is not incidental. Our day-to-day living is not just the drudgery of, of whatever life seems to look like, that you desire to not only transform us to be more like you, but then to use us to transform your world, your people. May we be a people with eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to perceive and the will and the obedience and the desire to be on mission to those around us for your sake and for your glory, with your strength, in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us this morning. I hope you found that story inspiring and encouraging. If you'd like to know more about Coast Community Church or if you'd like to find out about partnership or baptism, request prayer or even contribute financially to the local mission of Coast Community, head on to our website at www.coastcommunity.church. Look forward to seeing you soon.